Amen. Father, this is another day, apparently the last Sunday in the month of September. You are beginning something new in the midst of your people. You're setting us up for greatness. You're setting us up for a divine visitation. Lord, we believe it. We believe your word. And we believe in the strategic positioning of your people. And tonight is another night that you have set that you may tremendously visit us as a people. Because we know that everything that you do begins with a seed. And Lord, we're persuaded in our spirit that our future is bigger than what it is now. And because of that revelation of the spirit, because of that understanding, we're not holding back. We're reaching out to you. We're trusting and we're believing that every move, every step, every inch of the way, we will see the glory of God. There will be a divine motivation, a divine force from heaven to propel each of us into our very destiny. We thank you tonight as we share together that you will grant us understanding. Lord, we ask that you will be, there will be revelation knowledge tonight. Spirit of the living God, have your way as we gather together. Blessed be your name tonight. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I'd like us to turn our Bibles together tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 6. If we remember very carefully, that's the same chapter where we shared together from last week. But this week... We're going to be looking at things as part of the sermon of, of Jesus on the month. This is my belief. One of the things we will notice is that our success would depend on hearing directly from the mouth of the master himself. He is the creator of the kingdom. He is the source of the kingdom. The Bible calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. If there is anything that we lack, we can only derive from one source. We can never derive from other people. We can only derive from him who provided the leeway for all of us to have access to the Father. And that is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus' lesson in the, book, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6 are very critical to establish it in each of us in our spiritual walk with God, and also building us up as a people that God has determined to raise to his own glory. Let me say this to us as a people. We may not look like where we are going, but one thing I know is that the vision of God will drive us there. There is a vehicle that God has provided for us. It is the vehicle of the vision that he has given. That regardless of what our today looks like, our tomorrow is far bigger and better than where we are now. The Bible says your beginning may be small, but your latter hand will greatly increase. Jesus was teaching in the book of Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read. And I'd like us to pay attention very closely to this teaching tonight. I have often observed that most of the time that the lessons that the Lord teaches to his disciples or the lesson that the Lord taught to his disciples were not just for a time they were lessons that actually were the fabrics of the kingdom. 
they were the building blocks for those that will come after. When Jesus was addressing his disciples, he said in John chapter 10, he said, many of the flock that are not here will soon come. So Jesus' teaching was not just based in teaching his disciples who were only 12. They were also centered on building the lives of those that will come after them. So Jesus' teaching were basically seeds that we need to learn from. But before I read the scriptures tonight, may I say this in clarity to us that the disciples of Jesus did not ask too many questions. One of the profound questions that the disciples asked, we want to examine tonight. I thought they were going to ask Jesus many questions. If you read the gospel up and down, very few questions. Jesus did tremendous miracles right the very before of this many, many of these men. Jesus was translated and they saw him with a glory with which they did not see with any man at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. But only three of the disciples were there. And what we heard from them was Peter saying, Oh, if we saw this glory, let us make a tent. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. <laughs> and Jesus said, uh -uh, you didn't get it. These disciples saw Jesus lay hands on the sick and they recovered. The disciples saw the lepers who were considered to be the outcasts of the society approaching Jesus and Jesus lifting up his hands to touch the untouchables and their leprosy departed from them instantaneously. Many of these men saw Jesus approaching the blind and saying to them, what will you have me do to you? And immediately Jesus spat on the ground and placed it on the eyes of the blind and they recovered their sight. John chapter 11, we remember the story of a man who had been blind for his mother's womb. Do you remember him? The Bible says, John chapter 9, the Bible says, as soon as this man was healed, the disciples were there. They saw that the Pharisees and many men and the scribes came to him and said, well, this man is a sinner. And the man said to them, well, all I know is that once I was blind, but now I see, uh, I do not know who he is, but I was blind, but now I can see. It was very before of the disciples that Jesus raised the Jairus' daughter. daughter. It was before the disciples that Jesus commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave. So these men in John chapter 11, these men had seen tremendous manifestations of the power and the glory of God. But many of them never asked questions about how did Jesus do these miracles. Am I correct? If you read your Bible, they never asked. One of the profound questions that the disciples asked Jesus. Can we turn our Bibles together tonight? Before we come back to Matthew chapter 6. I just want to first of all take a look at the book of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Are we all there? Luke chapter 11. In verse 1, 
The Bible says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. I have found out that the church has an asset that is greatly neglected. An asset that is greatly unused, unannessed. But the very asset is the doorway to our victory. This asset is the most valuable, the most incredible asset. But it's the most neglected. We assume we do know it. We assume we do unless it. But we don't, as we should. Believers prefer to wish. I wish something would change about my circumstance. I wish there would be an hope on heaven. I wish there would be a miracle today. I wish that something would just transform my present circumstance. Many times we do complain rather than even wish. And sometimes our complaints are not verbal. Our complaints are internalized. Hmm. Hmm. Because the thought is running wide in our minds. We look at the circumstance of our lives and we're wondering, oh God, how is it that I am going through this experience in my life? You know what we also do? We call men on the phone when we go through such experiences. We're quick. We know everybody's number. Who cared to listen? And we're going to call them. And pastors are most of the time the enablers of this. It is not wrong. We go for counseling. But I found out that we spend little time with him, with whom nothing is impossible. We spend little time with him who is never tired of you. <laughs> we spend little time with him who is never repelled by how we smell. We is never repaired by how dirty we are. We is never bothered by how many times we call. He is never discouraged on how we ask. He is not moved by how ignorant we are. I wrote down here. <laughs> he's the only one who is willing and able 
to listen. Half of the people we speak to don't listen to us. They hear what we say, but they don't listen. They pretend to, but they don't listen. The psychologist will tell you that most of the time, when people come to you and they speak for over 30 minutes, after that level, half of what they are saying you don't even hear anymore. Because their voice has become boring to you. <laughs> and so, the reason why men hear and they don't listen is very simple. It is not because they don't want to listen. It is because they have issues that they are bottling themselves. But they are putting up with us each time we stay with them and we talk to them. But there is a God. Who without an appointment <laughs> regardless of our language or whether we scheduled a time or not either we consulted him or not either we, we, we never gave him a place we were going to meet with him in a manner we've decided to use the structure of the prayer we have chosen. And he's never hungry with any of those. How many, many of us are seated today, will I cost you somewhere asking you to do them a favor that is against your plan? You will tell them, excuse me, I will do it later. But God will abandon the entire eternity to listen to the voice of his own children. The Bible said, the ears of the Lord are open to the cry of the righteous. Ah, what a God we serve. The disciples of Jesus never said, Oh, Master, how did you do the miracles? They never asked him. They never asked him, how did you get money out of the fish? Because that miracle was never repeated. And Jesus never took them to the waters to show them how a fish can produce the, the money for, for, what do we do? for tax. It was never shown to them because they never found out. They never asked. And I know the reason why they never asked him. The reason is very simple. The reason is all over the book of Luke. The reason why the disciples never asked Jesus any of those questions because they found out that none of those questions is as important as the question that they ask here. Lord, teach us to pray. I'm going to get there. Matthew 6. I'm going to come back. Matthew 6. This is the teaching of Jesus. The month on the sermon. Sorry, the sermon on the month. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus began here, when you pray, I love it when he said, when you pray. <laughs> Jesus did not say, in case you pray. Jesus said, and when you pray. So Jesus knows, it is of a necessity for us to pray. 
Jesus knows that prayer is more important than some of the things that we may be doing. And he knows that of a necessity, if we relate with him and we know him, prayer must become our lifestyle. When it says, when you pray, it's like somebody saying, and when you eat, make sure you take your medication when you eat. No, sister, here. When you eat, there are medications you must take when you eat. So it's as though you must do it every day. I've looked through the scriptures. This is my finding in the 21st century believers. Believers in the 21st century will prefer to hire men to pray for them. The 21st century believers will prefer to hire a mediator outside of Jesus to stand in the gap on their behalf before the Father. The 21st century church will give excuses why we cannot pray and the 20th century, 21st century church has assigned prayers to a group of men and women who are particularly special to God and who have been given a special place before God because their prayers are more answered or they are better answered than our prayers. I'm glad to announce to us as a church tonight. Please listen to this. Nobody, nobody on earth is more important in presenting your case to the Father like you. No other person. No other person will present your case before the Father the way he should but you. In the church today, we have the ministry of intercessors. Is that not true? Ministry of intercession. We gather intercessors and we tie the church. As by the grace of God for this church, by the grace of God, as the Lord begins to move us forward, all of us are intercessors. All of us are qualified to pray. All of us, we pray. Hallelujah. All of us, we do what? We pray. Have you noticed in a church of about 20,000 people, when you go to the prayer meetings, we probably will find 50. Because we've assigned prayers to a group of people. But there is no single place in the scripture that don't forget, men interceded in the scripture because we're starting a series of prayer. I'm going to talk about intercession in the prayer of intercession. But there is no specific place where Jesus gave us a ministry of intercession. What does it mean? It means each of us are qualified. Each of us have been incubed by God to stand between the park and the altar. Each of us have been given a special grace, a special privilege by God to be able to reach into the very throne room of God and make a demand on the spirit and pull out the resources of heaven to use in our situation. I want us to say to ourselves, I've been well incubed to make a demand in the realm of the spirit. My father has a storage. It is my right as a child to walk into the treasure house of God and take what belongs to me. Hallelujah. Jesus said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for the Lord to pray standing in a synagogue. 
and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Jesus said in verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room. Ever say, go into your room. I like this. Jesus said, when you pray, he didn't say go to church. <laughs> no, go into your room. This brings me to an emphatic principle. Prayer is a personal discipline. I'll say it again. Prayer is a personal discipline. Prayer is private. Prayer is effective when we approach the throne of God with our hearts open and with our desires placed before God. Because the God we serve sees into the secret the Bible says. So prayer, have we noticed that we are more comfortable when we pray in a corporate setting? Have we noticed that? All of us are more interested when brothers say, let us go and pray. Okay, let's go and pray. But Jesus says here that prayer is private. Prayer is personal. Prayer is being alone with God. Because there are benefits that proceed from prayer. God wants to be glorified in our prayers. Hallelujah. God wants to be glorified. How did I know that? Jesus said, when you go, when you go, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know why Jesus wants us to know the prayer is personal? It is because when you go to God to share with him the burdens of your heart. When you go to God to open up your heart to him. It is a discussion between you and God. God does not want men to carry in the wavelength of gossip the issues of your life. God does not want men to betray the trust that you have placed in him. God does not want anybody to take glory in the fact that he's the only one who is able, capable, willing to undertake on behalf of those who trust him. How many times men have taken the place of God and taken glory for what God single-handedly has done for us? One of the things that hurts me mostly is when we arrogate what the Lord has done to men. Thank God for our pastor and the bishop who on our behalf prayed that God may do something. It is not true. If God does not release, who is he that can bring what God has not given? The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, it is what he gives that we gather. The Bible tells us. James chapter 1. Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. Let me say this loud and clear to you tonight. God wants to be glorified in your life. Every need that we have, God wants to be glorified. God wants us to know that he is able. God wants us to repose the trust in him. There was something else that Jesus said here. Jesus said, your father. Ever say your father. You know what he's saying there? God 
Institute a prayer that we may build intimacy with him. The word father, you could have used your God. Is that not true? But Jesus chose to use a word that is based on relationship. A God exists, but a father has children. Jesus used a language of relationship. He used a language of intimacy. I noticed that when my son comes into the room to see me, I was sharing something in the house yesterday. Anytime I want to step out of the house, John is going to say, where are you going? And I said, excuse me. <laughs> I said, you're asking me where am I going? You know why you could do that? Relationship. If a brother comes to our house and he's leaving, John is not going to tell you where you're going. No, he's not going to say that. He says that because there's a relationship. Now, Jesus is saying, relationship is a place, sorry, prayer, is a place where we build intimate relationship with God. There are things in your life that only God can understand. How many of us know that the Father who fathers you knows the weaknesses of your life? How many of us know that the Father who fathers you knows the greatest need of your life? Many of us are seated and as old as we are. We still give our father's secret phone calls. <laughs> I said, Dad, do you remember in 1903? You know why? There is a depth of relationship. God instituted prayer that we may build intimacy with him. We're living in a century where people don't have intimacy with God anymore. Our prayers have been centered on what we need. No more relationship. Hear me clearly today. God is more interested in you than in your needs. He loves you so much. He wants your presence. Your presence is precious to him. He is. It is precious to him. When God hears our voices, your voice is distinct in his ears from every child of God on earth today. That's how close he wants us to be to him. The scripture tells us he knows the numbers of the hairs of our head. The Bible tells in the book of Isaiah, we have been written in the palm of his hands. We are the apple of his eyes. He knows you by the cadence of your voice. When you call, he knows that's David talking. But how often we deny him of that intimacy. We take French leave from God. When we come to God when we have needs, as soon as the need is met, I, Dad, see you some other time. And we're gone. And we never return until there's another need. And God is saying, no. Jesus is teaching. So when you pray, say to your father, in Luke chapter 11, do you see how he taught his disciples how to pray? Our father. The word father means the source and the sustainer of all things. That's what it means. The root word for our father is the source and the sustainer. In other words, I came from him. He's the beginning of my life. If there's anything I'm going to become, it is going to be through him. 
Jesus wants us to see this tonight. There are some people, God wants us to know the power, the potential that we have. We have the capacity to turn this society around church. We have the capacity to turn our families around. We have the capacity to turn our generation around. If we will understand the power that we have when we pray. I know why we don't pray. And I'm going to tell you some of the reasons tonight. We don't pray because some of us have been fed with wrong philosophy about God. Do you know many times I struggle with certain questions in which I believe it's a general universal question. Do you know many times in my life I used to think if God is sovereign, why ask him anything? Is that not true? If he's sovereign, to be sovereign means he's self-existing. He does what he wants when he wants it for whatever reason he wants it. Why ask him if he's sovereign? If it, if it is his wish, let him do it anyway. And that is what gave back to this language that many of us we have adopted in the kingdom. Quer sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. No! For us as believers, whatever will be, will not be if we choose to find a place on our knees. The enemy has harassed us enough. It is time to find a place on our knees and turn things around. What will be won't be if we learn to pray. In the days of Elijah, the people had departed from the living God. They were walking the entire land. We're walking in apostasy. Now, the entire Israel. I want us to remember the story of this man, of Israel. They left Egypt. They were guided. They were bred. You know, they were, they were provided for by God. He, he supplied everything they needed. But each time Israel looked away from the mighty God and they began to serve bars. In the days of Elijah, the men, many of the, those ones that were growing up never believed there was a God in heaven. That was in charge. And who cares for his own people? A God of covenant. Who made covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They never knew. Until Elijah showed up and said, no. No. There is a God in heaven. And they called the entire Israel. He challenged Ahab. And he challenged the prophet of Baas in the land. The Bible says, Elijah, the son of Tishbite, appeared in Israel. And what did he say to them? Elijah went and said, there shall be no rain in this land for three years and a half. And there was no rain, the Bible says. Because there was no rain, the people became desperate. Even the king and the farmers, the shepherds, were desperate to have rain because when there is no rain, there will be no grass. Those who were shepherds had no job to do and their animals were dying because they depended, that means they depended on the rain. And after three and a half years, the same man showed up on the scene. You know what he said? He came to the king and said, well, the king was looking for him. But don't forget what happened that day. It was in the process of this time that Elijah called all the prophets of Baal. And they called the entire Israel. If God be God, we will know today. If Baal is God, we will know today. He called the assembly of, of the people. And they said, choose you today whom you will serve. If God is God, 
serve him. If it is bad, serve him. But I say to you, people of God, the God who answers by prayer, let him be God. And the prophets of back called on their gods. And Elijah said, maybe he went on a vacation. You need to call well. Maybe he went on an errand. Call him again. It got so bad they began to pierce themselves and cut themselves and blood was gushing out of their bodies. And Elijah, and Elijah said, listen, you need to wake him up. Maybe he's asleep. And there was no response. And Elijah challenged the people. The Bible said he ditched around the altar and told the people to pour waters upon the sacrifice. Pour water on it. If it is indeed God, it will do the impossible today. It will not only burn the sacrifice, it will burn the fire. I mean the water. You know what happened? As soon as the prophets of Baal were done, it was getting dark. Elijah said, well, I think you can give up now. <laughs> I will call upon the God of Israel. As he lifted up his face and called upon the God of Israel, the Bible and the fire fell from heaven. And the fire burned the sacrifice. Burned the stone on which the sacrifice was laid, licked the waters, and the people said, Ah, and they bowed their knees and they worshiped the living God. God is waiting for men and women who will call upon Him today, like Elijah did. Don't forget, he was the son of Tishbai. Nobody knew his father or his mother, it was just Elijah of Tishbai. We do not need any title to be able to call upon God. If we can call upon him, God will do tremendous and impossible things in our days. Many times we don't call upon God because we feel if God is not influenced by us, why call upon him in the first place? If God cannot be affected by what we say, why pray? Let me say this to us tonight. When God speaks, whatever he says becomes a law. Not only to his creation, but also to himself. Prayer was created by God for us to understand that there are things that would never happen on earth until we call upon him. Let me say this to us. We are men. Now, when God made man in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the Bible said, let them have dominion. It said to them, let them have dominion. Now, the only creation that has to have dominion on earth is man. So if anything is going to proclaim a dominion on earth, it must come in the flesh and blood. This is the reason why Jesus came in the flesh and blood. John chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came in the flesh. So the only thing that can prevail on earth, the only agent of change on earth will be man. And that is why Jesus came in the flesh that we may see that in praying we are giving God. Let me give us a few definitions of prayer before I continue. I wrote them down. Number one. Prayer is man it's funny, giving license to God to walk on the earth. Prayer is man giving license to God to walk on the earth. With that man giving God a license to walk, he becomes incapable in doing anything. I read a book 
not too many times ago, it was by John Wesley. You know what he said? John Wesley said, God, I want to paraphrase him. He said, God would do nothing until his people pray. Did we hear that? God would do what? Nothing until his people pray. And that tells me something based on what we have read about Jesus. That also we need to understand that the only thing that can stop God from working in our situation is us. The only place, the only person that can give access to God is you and me. And that happens when we demand, when we pray, when we call upon him. I have noticed that this generation has been forewarned long time ago. And prayers will be very fundamental to remain in a sustained victory in our lives. I believe that we are already victors by what Jesus did. But what is going to sustain our victory will be dependent on how we can pray as a people. In order to be in the front line and to be on the offensive, we will need to understand the power of prayer. We will need to understand the determination of God to do and to do extremely well in the midst of his people when we pray. Let's listen to Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 12. This is what it says. It says, for we do not wrestle. The word wrestle means we do not fight. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the host of darkness in the heavenly places. We do not wrestle. In other words, the battles that we face are not carnal. It said further in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. This is what the power of the apostle says. For thou, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I love the word he used. We do not do what? War according to the flesh. It says, for the weapon of our warfare are not carnal. They are not in the flesh, but they are mighty in God. He said about four things. For the pulling down of strongholds. Number two, casting down imaginations. Number three, and every item that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Number four, bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. All these scriptures present something to me. These scriptures are pointers that there is a war. There is what? There is war. We're not kept in the dark about the reality of the world in which we're living in. We understand Jesus thought, Paul the apostles thought, that there is a battle to fight. We're fighting from the vantage point of victory, but we still will have to fight to keep our ground of victory in the realm of the spirit. I found out that in order to beat down the invisible wall of resistance, the church must understand prayer. Invisible wall of resistance, we be there. There are things we cannot change, but there are things we can change. You know things we cannot change? Church, I want you to look at me. You know what we cannot change? We cannot change the method of the enemy. His method is to continually to attack. The devil is continually on the offensive. We cannot change that. If Jesus could not, we cannot. 
Jesus said in John chapter 14, the, the, the prince of this world cometh to me, but he has nothing in me. Jesus said about, about Peter in, in the book of Luke chapter 22, it says, it says, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, to sift you as sweet, as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Jesus says something profound. I have prayed for you. The secret of beating down the forces of the devil is prayer. If we want to experience consistent, permanent victory in our lives, we must learn to pray. The devil is a ruffian. The devil does not fight fair. I have seen that each time, have we noticed, by the time you celebrate a victory, the enemy is taking another war. How many of us know what I'm talking about? You're happy, you're excited, you're happy, you're jumping up. He's taking another one immediately. You know why? It is his nature. He has no hope. He has no place for repentance. He must fight continually. And many of us have given the enemy a ground in our lives, forgetting that the devil desires what you have, but he can never get it. One thing is for you to crave for something, and there is a potential for you to get it. But the enemy does not have a potential to have what you have. You know what you have that he doesn't have? You can repent. The devil cannot repent. He cannot. We have a hope of eternity. He does not. His eternity is doom. I was studying the book of Daniel. And I noticed that for us as believers, those, there are things we cannot change. But there is something we can change. You know what we can change? We can move the hand that moves the word. We can move the, the hand of the God who created all things. We can move nations. We can move God as we pray and call upon him. When Daniel was in the captivity for years, together with the entire Israel, one day, as Daniel began to study the plan and the purpose of God, that's why it's good. You cannot separate prayer from the word. You cannot separate the word from prayer. He was studying about the plan of God for Israel. He suddenly found out that Israel was supposed to spend 70 years in captivity and the time of their deliverance had passed. You know what he did? The Bible says, and he sat before the Lord, poured ashes on himself, and he fasted and prayed. You know what he did? He prayed for 21 days. After 21 days, he refused to get up from where he was praying. And the Bible tells us there was a prince of Persia. An invisible wall of resistance. Daniel never knew there was a prince of passion. Until he started to pray. Do you know many times in our lives we will fight the wrong target if we do not spend enough time in prayer. What we think is an enemy may not actually be the enemy after all. The real enemy will not surface until you take the battle to the gates of the heaven. Are you listening to me? There are things that will never show up in our lives until we begin to pray. In fact, prayer is the most dreaded element of a believer's life. The devil hates us to pray. That's why he fights you from prayer. He hates it. He knows that the weakest of believers, if he can ever get on his knees, the whole host of hell will be in trouble. Hell is intimidated by the prayer of a believer. The devil knows that. And he will do everything to keep you from praying. But do everything you can do in the world but pray. He will make sure you complain. You call and talk to men. 
but you never spend time to pray. And the truth is, the greatest victory will never be won until we pray. As Daniel began to pray, after 21 days, the prince of Persia showed up. The Lord showed him. And Daniel knew, this is it. And then the hand of the invisible wall of resistance was broken. I pray for us tonight that the Lord will grant us the deliberacy in the spirit. That we will not, quick, will not quit quickly. That when things that bother our lives may be something that God intends that you spend time and pray over. Do you know I found that there are things that God cannot do for you? God cannot pray for us now. We need to pray. We need to present our case before God. When we do, we stand and we stand at the place of advantage that the enemy does not want. And so when Daniel prayed, you know what happened? God broke through. The power, the invisible wall of resistance that kept the people in captivity for, for, over, for over 70 years was broken. I noticed there are certain bondages that will never go. They don't go by going for one day meeting. They go by insisting, consistent, perceptive, focused prayer. When we refuse to get up and say, until this situation changes, I am not getting up. I'm not giving up. Let me tell us what Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 18 verse 1. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, men halt always to pray. And he says something following it. And not to faint. My other version says, and not to quit. Men halt always to pray. Another one says, and not to give up. In other words, if you want to have a sustained victory, don't give up. What else will prayer do? I've told us this here before. One day, Daniel was approached by the, mass, by the massive army of the king. They were killing all the prophets because no one could interpret the dream of the king to him. And when they came to Daniel, Daniel approached the king and said, give me some time. The Bible says, and Daniel went in into his house and talked to his friend that they may seek mercies of God. That was a seek mercies of God. That they may seek mercies of God. <laughs> because of that, the Bible says in a night vision, God revealed to Daniel. Do you know the benefits that we receive if we can learn to go on our knees? Do we understand how much we can move and change situation if we can learn to go in our secret places and call upon God? Can we understand how much value we can place in the realm of the spirit if we learn to pray? And because of the prayer of one night, the Bible tells us that Daniel saw in a vision. Do you know there are incredible things that God will reveal to you when you can learn to pray? Do you know many of us don't need prophets? We don't need men to speak over our lives I have seen in many years that believers have become dependent on those who position themselves. I am not against those men. But the truth about them, they have kept believers as babes. We need to grow up. We need to be taught that each of us can go to the presence of God and God can speak to you. Now let me say this. If you don't speak to God, God is not duty-bound to speak to you. Have you asked believers, what did God say? I didn't know. How will you know? Because you didn't speak to him. You know many times we pretend that we are God's friends. Is that not true? I'm God's friend. I am a friend of God. 
I am a friend of God. God him me friend. And it's true. He calls us friend. But the Bible tells me in the book of Proverbs, he that has a friend must behave himself friendly. What is it to behave himself friendly? There has to be a commitment. How do you have a friend and you don't communicate with them? Is it possible that you have a friend and you don't communicate with them? And the Bible tells us, Jesus, I have not called you servants, but I have called you friends. God can demonstrate to us all over the scriptures how he related to his friends. You know, one of the friends of God that I knew was Abraham. When God was about to destroy Sodom, God spoke to him, Abraham. He came to him because God needed the permission to do something. And he said, Abraham, is it possible for me to do anything without talking to you? It is very simple. If you read the story of Abraham, Abraham raised several altars to God, which was a symbol of prayer in those days. He raised altars after altars after altars to God. He communicated with God day and night. He knew that his life was dependent on God. I have noticed in my life, each time I feel I'm self-sufficient, I run into trouble. When I think I do not need to hear his voice before I do something, I run into crisis. But if I can understand that I have a God who cares for every need of my life, the thought of my heart is important to him. And indeed he cares. I don't know how best to say. And God said I cannot do anything without talking to my friend Abraham. God was about to destroy Sodom. And Abraham negotiated with God. And he said, well, at this time, you can go ahead if you can find those number of people. And God did what he did because Abraham decided to give him a permission. But that was a communication. Are we God's friends? When last did he speak to you? Let me not even go too far. When last did you speak to him? Prayer must begin today. And you know what I noticed? Prayer can be very difficult. And prayer can be very easy. When we understand the path that God wants us to take in the place of prayer. Let me quickly jump into this tonight. Before we pray. The time spent in prayer is not a wasted time. It's an invested time. In Luke chapter 11, I just mentioned the disciples of Jesus came to Jesus and wanted to know, how do we pray? Do you know why they found out? This is my conclusion. And many of us will agree with me. In the book of Luke chapter 9, in fact chapter 6, chapter 9, chapter 10, the Bible says a great while before the day, Jesus went into, into the mountain to pray. Do we read that in our scriptures many times? So Jesus many times went into a secret place to pray a great while before the day. Let me say something tonight that I'm still going to talk about it in the next couple of weeks. Do you know Jesus never prayed with his disciples? Never. Mm -mm. Really? He just showed them what to do. <laughs> he never. He talked about corporate prayers, which we're going to be talking about. But Jesus didn't pray with them. Jesus, except I get mine. He told them to pray. Even while he told them, all they did was to sleep. <laughs> they just slept off. Jesus went great while. 
as I was studying the word great word, this is what I found out. Let's listen to this. A great word, the Bible said, before the day. Now, the day started in Israel around 4, 5 a.m. in the morning. To say great while before the day means Jesus on a regular daily basis will wake up at around 3 or 2 a.m. to pray. And the disciples knew it because they wrote those scriptures. I hope you know that Jesus didn't write that. They wrote it that Jesus woke up a great while. All of the gospels testified to the fact that Jesus woke up far early before the day to pray. Now, there was something. They saw that Jesus will disappear. And they knew where he went. And they saw the man praying. And he never came back. Until it's bright. They'll be wondering. He's gone for about four or five hours. Now he's back. This is the secret. Jesus went for those four or five hours. When he came back. And the sick came to him. He laid hands on them. And they got healed immediately. One minute. The miracle is done. The leprous came. And the leprosy was healed. And they were watching. Instinctively, these people knew what Jesus did was not based on what he was doing. Jesus' life was not centered on his ministry. Jesus' life was centered on his fellowship with the Father. That's why he said, I did nothing except what my Father told me. So they saw Jesus spending those number of hours. But when he came down, he provided food for 5,000 people. He broke bread. Uh-uh. He gave fish. Uh-uh. How did this happen? They saw him heal the sick, raise the dead. But they knew as soon as the people were gone, Jesus has gone up to pray. In fact, I was in one of the passages in the book of the Bible, he went praying all night. found out that the disciples knew that it is not a miracle. That's why they never asked questions about the miracle. Because the miracle happened immediately. Maybe you remember one of the times that Jesus allowed them to practice. You remember? A man came to them and said, his son has a demon that they should lay hands on him. And the guys really spent time, like many of us do today. I'm sure if they were wearing suits, they were already sweating. They cast out demons. They bind. Each of them were coming. You can sit down. And I, I have been in meetings when brothers would take turns to cast out demons. One would spend, when he's tired, he says, you take over. <laughs> and another one comes. I bind you in Jesus' name. And then we would sweat and sweat and sweat. But they noticed when Jesus was watching, this man, they tried to cast out demons after a long time. The man himself was tired of them. The man who brought his son said, ah, I think I'm tired of these people. He waited for Jesus to come. And when Jesus came, he said, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not cast the demon out of him. Jesus said, how long will I be with you? Faithless generation. And Jesus cast out the demon. In one word, the demon was out. And you know what the disciples did? They did what many of us would do. Today. You know what they did? They didn't ask him questions immediately. They went somewhere. They knew Jesus was alone. They said, we saw what happened. How is it that we couldn't cast out the demon? Jesus said, this kind, go it not forth. Church, hear that tonight. This kind, go it not forth, except by prayer and by fasting. 
church, let me say this to us. There are certain dimensions of the supernatural we will never experience until we spend time with God. There are no other ways to go. If Jesus did it, we have to do it. Is it going to be by first? No. When we are willing, the grace will be made available to us. They never did. They just saw it. That was what gave back to this question. They said, how is it? We knew the secret is in him going away. To do something, he was always speaking somewhere. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven, Lord, be your name. I came to a conclusion today, church, which we're going to be closing tonight. You've never seen the greatest miracle in your life yet. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen if we make up our minds today. I have seen that there is no one that God cannot use. God will use us. As long as you're part of this assembly, God is going to use all of us. There are no champions here. We are all champions to the glory of God. We are all going to be moving rank by rank, moving the kingdoms of God and breaking the frontiers of the enemy. We will. From today, we are not hiring anybody to pray for us. We want to spend time before God. And you know what I found out? It is not the language you used. No. He's not interested in a keg, Elizabethan English that we speak. God is interested in those who can hold on and say, God, until you do something, I will not leave. Hannah went to Shiloh and said, oh God, this reproach has been with me for too long. I've been reproached by those around me and those away from me. Now it has come to the climax. If you don't do a miracle, I will not live here. No one heard what she said. But the God who is all ears could hear what she said. And that year, a answer came speedily. Your answer will come speedily. If we can learn to go to God and go on our knees and say, God, I'm here. I need a miracle in my life. I've been running to prophets. I've been running to brethren to help me. Instead of help, they, they gossip about me. Lord, do something new in my life. A generation will experience the greatest miracle if we begin to call upon God. Tonight, I challenge each of us. It is time to get out of our comfort zone. If we cannot pray, let's ask God, give me grace to pray. There was a time I practiced something that was going to be very funny to many of us. I told the Lord, I'm going to be spending time to pray with you at night. And I don't care if I sleep off there. I'm going to wake up to keep praying. I said to the Lord, I knelt down on my knees and I said, tonight, I'm going to be here till tomorrow. I've heard it in stories. I've read it in books. It must happen in my life. Not just with power. I ask her for grace. I knelt down the very first day. I knelt down after about one hour. I was off. When I woke up again, I opened my eyes. I started to pray. I slept off again. I woke up. I said, God, I'm going to pray till the daybreak. When there is a will, there will be a way. Only God knows how much he can do if we give him a place in our lives. How many times has brethren, have we taken our time and said, God, I'm taking the next three days to call upon you. We don't see that anymore. What gave back to many of us were the prayers of those men and women who were determining their heart. We were going to spend days to pray. I used to know sisters. They were not married that time. You know when you're not married? That's why Paul said don't get married. <laughs> sisters before they were married, they would say to God, 
we're going to spend these seven days. They will shut themselves up and pray for days. And you know what I noticed? God answered those prayers. Your prayer is an investment. Some of the things, you know many of us are living on the prayers we prayed 10 years ago. I'm telling you, some of us are living on those prayers now. We're living on those prayers that we prayed 10 years ago, 5 years ago. Some of us are living on the prayers we prayed when we first gave our life to Christ. Because those days, we had nothing else to do except to call upon God. We had so much trouble going on that we needed to pray at our cost. Listen, church, we must rediscover the power of prayer. This is the secret to a sustained victory. Our victories will be limited if we don't pray. What are the benefits of prayer? Number one, you know what I noticed? When we pray, do you know what I found out? Let's look at me. How many of us crave to hear God consistently? You want to be hearing God's voice. How many of us know what I'm talking about? Do you know why people run around? We're looking for somebody who can hear God for us. Is that not true? It's the very truth. I found that one of the ways to hear God is to spend time in prayer. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went for baptismal service. As he saw John, the Bible says, and he stood praying. He was praying right there while he was waiting for, to be baptized by John. The Bible says, and the heaven was open. And there was a voice from heaven. We can hear the voice from heaven if we learn to pray. There was a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When we pray, there are doors that have been closed up until now. At the instance of your prayers, those doors, you know what? They will not open of their own accord. They will open because we have chosen to pray. Paul Sorry, James was arrested in the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, and they killed James. But when James was killed, Peter was arrested immediately, and the intent was to keep Peter after James. But you know what the church did? Church began to call upon God. The Bible tells me, in my own version of the Bible, it will interest you. It says, there was a continuous streams of prayer to heaven. Did you hear that? Continuous what? Streams of prayer to heaven. As the church was praying, God was moving. As the church was praying, God was moving. Do you know what I notice? When I sit in my room and I'm calling upon God, God is moving on my behalf. There are certain things I'm sweating over in my life. I don't need to sweat. I need to sweat on my knees. Our fathers, the founding fathers of the church, they prayed. Peter was speaking to the people. He said, we will not serve tables. We will, in Acts of the Apostles chapter 6, he said, we will give ourselves to prayers and to the ministry of the word. It's elected deacons to go and serve the people. We will spend time praying. So there are things that will happen in our lives as we begin to pray. You know what happened that day? As the church continued to pray, the angel of the Lord came into the prison where Peter was. In fact, Peter was asleep. The angel had to wake him. Come on, stand up from there. Some people are praying. And Peter and the gate of the prison opened to Peter. They couldn't find him. It was so serious that the church was still praying and Peter was at the door. He was knocking to come in and they were still praying. That tells us how much the prayer was. How many of us have prayed to that level? God wants us to change our attitude today. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to tell the Lord, Lord, give me. Let that be a baptism of the spirit of supplication upon me. Before I leave my house, I want to speak to God. You know what I found out? 
Jesus did not just do ministry. He prepared for the ministry before he did it. What do I mean? He spent time before he went before the people. I've, I've just I've spoken to God. Before I ever want to come before anyone, I want to spend time before him. Because there are things I don't know. He knows. There are things I will never see. He sees. The Bible says, watch and pray. Many of the times in our days, because we lack prayer, you know what we lack? We also lack sight. We can never see anymore. That's why we can never watch. Because a man who is going to watch must be a man of prayer. Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 2. He says, I will stand upon my watch. I will stand upon my watch. I will stand upon my watch. What does it mean to stand upon your watch? I remember a man that I met some years ago. You know how he described it? He said, when you want to go to the place of prayer, you know what he said? Look at me. Place your watch on the floor and step upon it. I will stand upon my watch. Don't look at the time. Just pray. <laughs> I will stand upon my watch to see. We will never see farther than where we are until we begin to pray. God will reveal secret things to you that you never know when we pray. God will reveal the beauty of the future that we're going when we pray. Let's rise up tonight. We're going to pray. <laughs> Prayer, we will pray. By the grace of God, we're spending the latter part of the year, we're going to be praying in this place. By the grace of God, we're going to pray. We're going to trust the Lord to pray. You know what I found? There are miracles that you have never seen. You will see them. When we pray, we're going to pray together. We're going to trust God together. The enemy wants to make us weak spiritually. He wants to reduce us to crumb of bread where we cannot pray. We are rust day and night. And you know what we do? Well, we just hope that God would... You know when I say we just hope that God... No! No hope! We must call! We must speak to God! In the recent times, God began to teach me every detail of my life is important to him. However small. However small. Is critical to him. Let's close our eyes tonight. I've prayed before this meeting today. And I believe the Lord is bringing a new change in this place. I'm honest with us. Not just to us as a church, but to us as individuals. I think God is up to something in your life. And it wants to begin today. It wants to begin today. I want us to say to the Lord tonight, Lord, I just lift my hands to you in surrender to you. I repent of the days of my lack of prayers. I complain about what you have not done. But Lord, I really did not pray well about those issues. Lord, I just ask you to forgive me. There are, there are destinies and souls of men that have been tied to my knees, to my, to my loins. But I need to be able to bring them to you in prayer. Lord, tonight, I, I open up my hands to you. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my lack of prayer. My lack of spending time with you. Uh, Lord, forgive me but not, for not being a child, a daughter, and a son enough. Every son wants to spend time with their father. Lord, uh, many times I've spent time in other things other than you. Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that you forgive me. I want my prayer life, my hour of prayer to be a sweet one. Uh, many of us struggle when we go to pray. Uh, the time of prayer is a real time of struggle. And that's why after five minutes you're tired of praying. Uh, our knees are bothering us, our backs are bothering us. All the needs of the world are in our minds. I want us to say to the Lord, forgive me. Uh, the enemy has bombarded my mind many times with issues. And I'm so occupied. Oh God, help me tonight. Occupied my mind, Lord, so many things of this world. Occupied my mind. 
Jesus, you never did anything without praying. I'm beginning to see. You appointed your disciples through prayer. You chose to do those miracles through prayers. Lord, I ask you tonight, help me, oh God, by your spirit. Let there be an infusion of the power of prayer into my life tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. We're going to pray tonight, Lord, baptize me with the spirit of supplication. Let's open our eyes. Do, do we know that if we don't pray, the blessing of God in our life will stagnate? It will just stop. Instead of flowing, it will stop. Prayer is a spiritual thing. I want us to close our eyes tonight. I say, Lord, baptize me with the spirit of supplication. 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 From tonight, the grace, the ability, the desire to pray will come. Not because I'm forced to do it. Lord, the desire, I will find a place of prayer in my house. I'll find a place of prayer. Even in my office, you give me a place to call upon you. In the name of Jesus. Those who will call upon dead gods, pray. How many of us, who, who are, how much more, all of us. We are serving a living God. The God who can do the impossible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me tell us a secret tonight. Let's, op let's open our eyes and look at me. Do you know one of the reasons why Islam has become so strengthened? Because many of those men projected into the realm of the spirit receiving demonic powers and they do it early in the morning. Did you notice that? By 4 a.m. the blast is on. And they fast 30 days or 40 days every year to strengthen the powers of that connection. I came from there. I know what I'm talking about. Tonight, we're going to pray. But here we are as a people of God. We can control everything. And yet we are the ones who are the laziest we are the ones who are looking for other ways other than God to get things done. I want us to say, Lord, tonight. Lord, tonight. Change must come. Change must come. Let there be a change in my life tonight. Let there be a change in my life tonight. In the name of Jesus. Lord, walk me through this, this, this impossible, impossible impediment to my flesh. Walk me through it. Lord, break the wall and the hindrance of the flesh in my life. Give me grace in the name of Jesus. So pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. How many of us believe we need what we are hearing tonight? We need these valuable issues tonight. We need to rediscover this. We need to go back to the basics. Our spiritual life cannot be farther than our prayers. The blessing of God will not be higher than the prayers we are praying. That we will stop wishing. We will start praying. We will stop looking for other, other means. We will start to pray. Do you know when you do not know, God will raise support for you when you do not know. If the prayer of your yesterday has kept you up until today, the prayers that we pray today will secure our future. Is that not true? Let's close our eyes to pray tonight. We're going to continue from here next week. Let us, let's, let's continue to trust God. 
that God is going to revolutionize our prayer life. He will. He will. He will. He will. Let's close our eyes to pray. Father, tonight we thank you. Our Father, this is the means you have chosen for us to develop intimacy with you. This is the method by which you become active in our lives. That whatever has been an harassment in our lives, and hand can come to it, when our attitude will change, to call it upon you tonight. Tonight we receive grace as a people, as a church. You want us to turn this generation around. What we are now is not a problem to you. Where we are going is definitive in your presence. Lord, give us grace to begin to call upon you. Give us grace to begin to find comfort in your presence. Give us grace that the hour of prayer will become the sweetest time of our days. In the name of Jesus. Every impediment of the flesh, remove them. Every difficulty and distractions around us, remove them. Lord, give us understanding. Lord, give us opportunity. Lord, supply us with the spirit of supplication in the name of Jesus. We didn't come here to play tonight. We came here to look for you. We know that the days are ahead. Lord, we are persuaded. This is the least we will ever be. Lord, as we begin to take a new decision and take a new attitude, approach you in a different way. Lord, our lives will never remain the same. We thank you. We make a proclamation in the realm of the spirit tonight. We receive strength for everyone in this place that this week, our prayer tempo, the prayer volume will change. Lord, that you will give us more grace. Supply us with strength in the name of Jesus that every day the desire, the thirst to call upon you will be 